Welcome to the aggressive life. So glad you're with us. It's summertime. And here we are in the month of July. And, and we're going to go off script. We're going to take a short break from interviews to bring you some of my favorite and freshest live teaching from the year. I'm not saying it's any good. You might think it sucks. But actually, we're going to uh, just play some things I've said to some groups of people. And there's some aggressive stuff in there. And I hope it'll, it'll help you. You'll have the chance to hear teaching from a live event in Colorado, an event for athletes in Cincinnati, a talk from Couples Camp, which is a primitive weekend experience to build into marriage, and, and a bunch more. There's... There's an energy with the crowd, and I love being with somebody in the studio, and I'm mostly wanting to hear them talk, and I have heard from people say, yeah, we'd like to hear you talk a little bit more. Well, <laughs> month of July is your time. It's all me all the time. These things are designed to help get you to a new place. They're aggressive, and they're help to get you a moving so we start with a live event this year for a student, a bunch of student athletes in Cincinnati. I got to share with the stage with a member of the soon-to-be Super Bowl-bound Cincinnati Bengals and shared the five marks for man with these athletes and these coaches. That's a book that I wrote a couple years ago that's still selling well. It's helpful for a lot, a lot of guys and a lot, a lot of women who want to understand their guys and a lot of women who are going, hmm, before I say yes to this marriage proposal, am I being proposed to by a man or by a boy? So while I still believe it's harder to be a female in America than it is a male, there's no doubt that men are hurting and I hope that the five marks can change some of our cultural conversations around masculinity. Enough prologue. Let's get to our first live talk of the summer, the five marks of a man. Hey, my name's Brian Tome. I was, uh, I was born at a very early age. And then I was adopted, which actually is part of my story. So I'm going to talk about that. You guys okay if I pray before we start? Let's do that. God, I'm thankful for every guy who's here. I'm thankful for what you're doing in this room. And I pray you do something new and important in every life here today. Help us be the men you've called us to be. And I pray these things according to the character and identity of Jesus. Amen. Once upon a time... A prince asked a beautiful princess if she would marry him. And the princess said, no. And so the prince lived happily ever after, and he rode motorcycles and hunted and raced cars and drank whiskey and beer and Patron tequila, and he smoked Marlboro Reds, and he never paid child support or alimony, and he ate whatever he wanted, and he kept his house and guns and never got cheated on while he was at work, and all of his friends and family thought he was cool as heck, and he had tons of money in the bank, and he left the toilet seat up. The end. That's a, that's a, a humorous little, um, little poem that I start the book off that I wrote called Five Marks for Man because that's, that's kind of the image that many people have. Like, man, women just kind of weigh my life down. Marriage just sucks out of me all my creativity. I, I, I just want to kind of be like a boy for the rest of my life. I want, to, I want to do whatever I want. I want to spend all my money on me. I don't want to make commitments to other people. I just want to do whatever I want to do. I was thinking about this coming in here today in, a, in an athletic context. I've given this talk to all different types of people, businesses. I've been on a bunch of 
uh, college campuses and spoken to fraternities, not Christian colleges, UC, um, Xavier, uh, just a bunch of, uh, it's a bunch down south. And, and I'm thinking about how this content applies to us, especially everyone in here who's in a, a sporting context. And there's probably, are there anybody in here, anybody in here a uh, wrestler? Okay. How about a singles tennis player? Some of you, all right. Probably you're here though today because you're maybe here because you also have a, a team sport. You're in a, a sports context where there is team. In the NFL or college, the ones that excel again and again and again aren't the ones that get the best athletes. They're the ones that get the best teams. And what is it that makes a great team? It's a coach figures out who are the men and who are the boys. When they do psychological profiles and they figure out who to draft in the NFL, there's guys who are, you know, amazing athletes, but they just don't add value to teams. And that's why they get released. And they go to another team because they have amazing stats, but they don't bring anything to the team because they're boys. There are 15-year-old men in our country and there are 45-year-old boys. Our country tries to tell us, our culture tells us that when you're 18, you become a man. Not true. Not true. I'll tell you what, I have friends who are 45, 50 years old and they are boys. And I say friends, friends because... You can have a certain number of relationships in your life where it's just kind of fun to be with somebody, that kind of friendship. There are people who have all the looks of masculinity according to our culture, but they're actually not a man. What do you think was the, the best day in Jesus' life? The best day. Maybe it was the day that he put his hands on a guy and the guy was able to See, he was blind for his entire life. That'd be awesome. Anybody here ever put their hands on somebody and gave them their sight? Anybody? Anybody? Maybe his, maybe his greatest day was the day that he went to a friend's tomb who had died. His name was Lazarus. And he called him out and said, come back from the dead. And he comes back from the dead. That would be an amazing day. Maybe that, you think that was his best day? Maybe his greatest day, his most amazing day, was when there was 5,000 people, actually 5,000 men, and another time 7,000 men, plus all the women and all the children, and they were hungry, and he multiplied fishes and loaves, and he abundantly fed people. That would be amazing. It'd be an awesome day. Maybe his best day was when he was on a boat, and they had to push him out in the middle of the water. They got in a boat because... There were so many people and they were invading his personal space. They said, well, if I get in a boat and I get pushed out from the edge, people can't tread water for too, too long. So if I just push out to about eight feet deep, I'll have some personal space. And then that water that I'm preaching on the, on the boat will act like an amphitheater and be able to project to all the people that are there to help hold people spellbound and to teach things that we still talk about today, like love your neighbor as yourself. The Sermon on the Mount, crazy, crazy. I think those were great days. I don't think there was his best day. You know what I think his best day was? I think his best day was when he heard his heavenly father say, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. I think that was his best day when he heard that. In fact, there's only three times in the Bible where Jesus clearly hears from God. Only three times. So if you feel like 
you're not clearly hearing from God, you're in good, you're in good company. I hear people talk about, hey, I heard this from God, I heard that from God. I'm like, you recognize you're hearing from God every day? Jesus didn't hear from God every day. Or at least it wasn't recorded that he heard from God. There's only three times in the entire Bible where it's very clearly said that he hears from God. I'm sure there's more, but there's only three. Two of those times are the exact same thing. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. I think there's something that happens in the heart of a male that is powerful when a father figure looks at him and says, you're my son and I'm pleased with you. Son, you've done well. This is my story of not hearing that, which is why I went on to a sort of deep dive and then wrote that book. I grew up kind of the classic male jock. I was on the football team and football team ruled supreme in the high school in which I grew up in. And, you know, they, we, we, we thought that we were the coolest in the school and, and we set the pace for what the parties looked like and, and everything else. And, I, I was a boy. I tried to project that I was a man, but I was a boy. I took advantage of people. I didn't honor my dad. My dad, every rule my dad had that I, I broke. Every, every car my dad had, I wrecked. Every tool my dad had, I lost. Every, I mean, I was just, I was just a tear. I was a wreck. And why was that? It was because I was trying to prove that I was a man. Cause I never heard that I was a man. I was adopted at a, at a very early age, like as in days after my birth. And I would look at my dad, who was a great man. I'm thankful for my dad, but there was really nothing that he and I had in common. I don't know if you feel like that way when you look at your dad. I had nothing in common with my dad. Was it because we were totally different DNA or was it something else? I don't know, but we're totally different. I was, I'm taller. He's shorter. I have ears that are close to my head. He has big honking ears that stick out like satellite dishes from the side of his head. He has a, he has a, he has a huge head. It's massive, massive head. I have a very small head. He has a huge head because he has a huge brain inside of it. He, he designed and troubleshot nuclear reactors. That's what he did for a living. What Ivy League educated in mathematics and physics and all of these things. And then there was me. There was me in fourth grade. I couldn't figure out how to do long division. And I remember clearly, like it was yesterday, him so frustrated that his son couldn't figure out math because it came so natural to him. And him taking the pencil as he explained to me again how to do long division, carry the four and all that kind of stuff. He took his pencil and he was just jamming it into the, into the sheet of paper. He said, why can't you figure this out? And I remember that pencil and the number two lead breaking on the paper and my tears as a fourth grader coming down and hitting that piece of paper. I like tobacco. I like tobacco in all forms. I've been smoking cigars forever and ever. And I thought it was a really cool idea to get my dad a cigar. I got my dad a cigar as a, oh, I think I, what grade was I in? Eighth grade? Yeah. When I was a kid, you, you could buy cigars as an eighth grader. No problem. Do whatever you wanted. It was wonderful. I, 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 and I got this big cigar for him and I got him for Father's Day. And I saw that, I saw that cigar dry up and dry up and whittle down to nothing. It was a stupid gift. My dad, my dad didn't like tobacco at all. Couldn't stand it. It was a stupid gift. 
But the way I interpreted that point was, here it is again, my dad can't understand me because we were totally, totally unlike. And then what happened was I became so basically frustrated with rebellious. I didn't know this at the time, but looking back, what I was doing is I was just trying to chart my own course, be my own man, establish my own, own identity, choose who I was going to be, and my life was just a wreck. When I had a son, my son was born the day of his birth, and I went over, they, when, when you come, when a little child is born, they take him over this like little warming table where there's this heat lamp, and this little itty-bitty kid was there, this little itty-bitty baby, so I reached down my hand, and I kind of took my finger and tried to hold his hand, and I did that, he peed on me. <laughs> There was a, shot, a stream of urine coming. He's lying like goes up in the air and it comes down on my shoulder and just trickles all the way down my arm. And I thought, man, this could be an omen of things to come right here, <laughs> because I defecated all over my dad. And if I'm not careful, this little guy is going to defecate all over me. I got to do something different. You know, when you when you when you're a man, when you're a male. When you have a male in your family, it's a really ominous thing because we have, as men, the ability for destruction that exceeds what women can do. In fact, world history has shown what happens when a man acts like a boy. We destroy cultures. We destroy countries. We rape people. We take advantage of things. That's the history of the world. Men have been in charge. And by and large, we have the worst stories of dictatorships and oppression and all of that stuff. That's because there was a boy that wasn't raised by a man. And so when you have a boy, it's like having a little puppy Rottweiler. Might be really cool looking. But man, if you don't raise that Rottweiler right, it can reap some destruction like a chihuahua can't. So I thought to myself, I've got to do something different with my son than I had done with me. And what's missing in our culture is we don't have a rite of passage inside of our culture. This has been very well documented and written about by many, many people. It's not new scholarship I'm bringing to you, but if you haven't heard this before, every ancient culture has a rite of passage that a young man goes through. And when that young man goes through that rite of passage, he's told that he's a man and he's treated like a man. I just, I have a podcast called The Aggressive Life and I had Nelson Mandela's grandson on that podcast. He's, he's about 40 years old right now, 45 maybe. And he got circumcised when he was, I think he said 30 years old. Because in South Africa still, I know everyone's going, ooh, yeah. Yeah, think about that. Eh, not good. That would hurt. That would, but I'll tell you what that would do. That would mark inside of your mind that I'm, I'm gone from boyhood to manhood. Another guy I spoke with a few years ago has, was from a African tribe as well. And he said, the way it works is all the men in the tribe would come up to the front of your house and they call out, they call out the 13 year old. Do you realize this whole idea of, adolescence that we have in our culture was basically invented in 1912. If you look at the history of, of humanity, this period that we have of adolescence, which used to be from age like 12, 11 to 16, and then it got moved from 
10 to 18. Adolescence basically now 10 to 35 is basically adolescence. We expect young males to be idiots. We expect them to be really immature. In, in the history of the world, as soon as you could have an orgasm, you were treated as a man. You were expected to have a family. You were expected to have your own crops and to act like a man. And you were brought into manhood. And so this man, they would go, go in, the, in the village and they would call him out and the mother would keep the son behind him behind her. She doesn't want him to go. And if they can't convince the, the, the boy, the 12 year old, 13 year old to come out from behind his mom, then they go away. And then a year later they come back and they call again for her, for, for the, for the son to come out. And if she again is keeping him back and if he won't fight around her, they actually go into the house, overpower her and physically take him up into the, up into the hills. And then they have a rite of passage service and make that young man a man. When he comes back to the house, he comes back with a basket full of eggs because he now has a new identity. His identity is he is there to take care of women. He's there to be a leader on the team, not just somebody who receives food and the rest of his trajectory is changed. I never had a ceremony where I was told that I was a man. And I've struggled with that for most of my life. And I knew I needed to give something different to my son. So I decided to have a ceremony for him, bring him into manhood. But I first also had to tell him, what was a man? What is, what's the difference between a man, not a man and a woman, but a man and a boy? I mean, there's obviously some differences between men and women. I hope I don't have to explain those to you and bring out some charts or something like that. But there's massive difference between a, a man and a boy. So what I did is I went through the scriptures and I went through all the heroes in the Bible. And I also went in my own mind through all the men that I've looked up to in my life. And I also love reading biographies and who are the men in history who've had an impact. And I found there's five marks, five marks that separate men from boys. Every man that you know that you respect and want to be like has all these five things. Every male that you know that frustrates you and annoys you is missing one of these marks. And I have to tell you, one of the marks, one of the marks is not there, is not Jesus. I'd like to say, one of the marks of man is men have a heart for Christ. Not true. Not true. Some of the greatest men have been atheists based on these things in churches are filled with males who are not men. In fact, if a man-eating lion went into the average church today, he would die of starvation because there's just not many men to eat in churches. It's a lot of boys and a lot of women. Women make up 70, 80% of the normal congregations inside of our countries because the way we do ministry is not attracting men. And it's not building men. It's so good to be here in a room with a bunch of people who are who are actually men and aspiring to be men. Would you like to know the difference between what a man is and what a woman is? Well, that's why you brought me here. Tough. I don't care if you want to know or not. I'm going to tell you. First Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13, it says this. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, and let all that you do be done in love. All you do be done in love. When I was a boy, I was never doing anything out of love. I was doing everything about me all the time. But did you pick up what it says here? Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like adults. No, no, it doesn't say that. 
Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like emotionally mature people. No, it doesn't say that. Be, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like a good Christian. No, did you hear what it said? It said, act like men. Act like men. Do you realize it is a high call to be a man? And our culture wants to dumb it down. Just, oh, we should all just be mature. We should all be centered. We should all be nice. We should all be spiritual. I'm fine with being centered. I'm fine with being emotional. I'm fine with being nice. I'm fine with being centered. But that's not what this verse says. It says, act like men. There is a high call to be a man. And are you living up to what it is to be a man? Are you being a man or you are, are you just being a, a Christianized version of a male? Are you being a man or are you just mimicking what other people around you are like who actually may be boys? Five marks, here they are. And these aren't necessarily in this, in this order. They're just the five things. And as I go here, all of us are going to have outages on these things. This is not like a new list of five commandments and you're a bad person if you don't do this. All of us are going to have struggles in at least one of these areas. But here's what a man does. A man recognizes it's a struggle and a man goes, I'm going to work on that. I'm not going to have that rule my life. Number one, a man has a vision for his life and a boy lives day to day. A man knows where he's going and he knows what he's doing. He's got a vision. You know, that basketball hoop, between here and there, there's space. And a vision is something that's out there and there's space between here and there and I can't get it yet. I can't get it because I don't have the resources. I can't get it because I don't have the knowledge. I can't get it because I don't have the strength or I can't get it yet because there's something else someone needs to participate in. I just, I just can't get it. It's a vision. Boys don't have vision. Boys wake up every day and they want to have the easiest day possible. A man has a vision. He's pushing to something. It took me seven years to get through college. Not because I was studying to be a doctor, but because I kept dropping classes. And because my dad was paying for my entire education because he had a high, high value in education, I didn't. So I would just drop classes and just keep repeating it over and over because I was a boy. I was a boy. I, I went to... I took accounting one three times. I would wake up in the morning on the, on the day of the final and I just would not feel like going to take the final and I wouldn't take the final and I would flunk the class. I had to take the whole thing over again the next year. And I didn't really care. I was a boy. It was ridiculous. I wanted the easiest college experience I could. And here's what was weird. Like, I was so dumb. No one, no one ever told me, hey, Brian, if you study... And if you have good grades, there's going to be opportunities that are going to open to you in the future that you wouldn't have had otherwise. You are going to have the opportunity to make more money, to do other things, to have other things, to have experiences. You're, I, I didn't, didn't get it at all. Never crossed because I was a boy. Do you have a vision for your life? Why are you an athlete? Why are you in school? Where are you going? Now, if you have a vision, it's probably not an accurate vision, but that's okay. It doesn't matter. Because you really have no idea what God's going to do in your life at 16. No, I have no idea what God's going to do in my life at 56. <laughs> you really don't. But just knowing some place you're going, some direction that you're going is going to define your day and help you to get there. What is the vision? 
It could be, I'm going to get a college education. It could be, I'm going to get married and be the first person in my family who doesn't get divorced. It could be, I'm going to start a business. It could be, I'm going to, it could be anything. It's just something that's out there that you're working on that a boy won't, because a boy just wants a good day. A boy just wants to have fun today, right now. There's a phrase that's known, that I've come across, it's known as masturbatory masculinity. And what masturbatory masculinity is, is there's all kinds of things that we do as males that we do to mimic what ancient men have done. Sports is one of those things. Sports are awesome. Sports are wonderful. Sports started to come around because it was basically a substitute for when men would go to war. That's why we kind of get all our testosterone jacked up and excited. It's, it's, it's It's kind of a substitute for war, it's a great substitute for war. It kind, of, it, it kind of fits in there. We go to the gym. I go to the gym. I think about it many times. Like, it's so weird. I go into a place that's HVAC to work out when in history, men have worked out by doing deep knee bends and picking plants and picking up trees that they've chopped down and, and, and hauling logs to build their houses and, and, and walking behind team of oxen and holding them. These, this was real work, real workout. We, shoot, we, we go to freaking gym and we take an elevator to the second floor where the treadmill is. <laughs> you're working out. You're taking an elevator to the second floor? Take the stairs. We have a vision for that as men. We want the easy road. The guy who invented the escalator was dumbfounded, dumbfounded, when he installed his first escalator and he saw people get on the escalator and stand there. Because he assumed that people would just walk up the steps and they would get to the top faster. That's why he invented it. But no, our fat butts, we just stand there. 2%, 2% of all Americans will take the steps versus the escalator. When I take the escalator, I want to climb it. I want to walk it. Because I don't want the world to continue to make me lazier and lazier. Because I have a vision for physical fitness. So if I'm going to spend that time, why don't I just burn some calories and get myself in a bit better shape? It's a vision for that. It's not like I want to be stronger and better than somebody else. Do you have a vision for your physicality? Do you have a vision for your mentality? A vision for your spirituality? Boys don't have that. Men do. Today's podcast is brought to you by Athletic Greens. It's a product I use every day. I started taking AG1 because I don't watch my diet too closely, but I know that I'm getting all the vitamins, minerals, and nutrients I can, as well as hydrating with 12 ounces of water right off the bat at the beginning of the day. One scoop of AG1 has got 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens, and it doesn't taste like it. It actually tastes great. AG1 is a micro habit with big benefits. For less than $3 a day, you can take care of your health and invest in your future. It's recommended by professional athletes, health experts, and me. (laughs) To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packets with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com 
slash aggressive life. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash aggressive life to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutrition insurance. So go get you some and let's get back to the show. The one mark that runs through all these five things is that boys are passive and men are aggressive. Boys allow things, life to happen to them. Boys just want nice things to happen to them. Where men aggressively go after their life and decide to make things happen. That is the one through line that goes throughout this entire thing. Two, mark number two. A man is a protector and a boy is a predator. A man's a protector and a boy is a predator. The Carnegie Hero Fund commissioned that tries to study who is heroes, they have found that when there is somebody who is being assaulted or needs problems, needs a problem solved, and there's a bystander who sees it and intervenes, 90% of the time it's a man versus a woman. 90% of the time. I think women are incredibly heroic, incredibly strong. I'm not saying women aren't protectors and can't be protectors. But what I'm saying is that statistic points to the fact that you were created to be a protector, not a predator, a protector. I would do anything that any girl would do with me sexually when I was in high school because I was a predator. Well, she said it was okay. She said it was okay. Oh, oh, oh she said it was okay. Okay, then. I wasn't thinking about like her future marriage. I wasn't thinking about her future husband. I wasn't thinking about how if I had a sexual interaction with her right now, I would be adding to the sexual baggage that I would take into my future marriage by comparing and contrasting. I wasn't thinking about anybody's future. I was just thinking about my pleasure right then and there. I have two daughters. You know, it's really weird. If someone came over to our house and said, let's say a 16-year-old male came over to your house and said, hey, I'm here because I'm going to, uh, I need your golf clubs. Could you let me just have your golf clubs? You're like, dude, who, who, I don't even know you. No, you're not getting my golf clubs. No. Well, how about some, some kid comes over and says, hey, uh, uh, I, I need to take your car out. Can I, can I take your car? Out? What? My tape? My, no. Who are you? Don't just knock on my door and take my car. But some 16-year-old comes over and knocks on your door and says, hey, I'm here to take your daughter out. Oh, my daughter. Oh, sure, here she is. Just take her right there. I'm sure everything is going to go fine with her. Just take her right there. Yes, because we treat our daughters with less value than we do our golf clubs and our car. Let me tell you, I was a 16-year-old who knocked on doors like that. I can't believe people let me have their daughter. I can't believe it. Bunch of idiots. Really, really stupid. So when you think about this now, as a man, I go, I'm here to protect Mariah. I'm here to protect Lena. So the last time this happened, young man shows up and says, uh, hi, I'm here, to take, I'm here to take Mariah. And I said, Ben, Ben, guess what? Before you take out Mariah, you're going to take me out. He said, uh, okay. I said, Ben, why don't you drive? You drive. Let's go up to the local uh, little big boy thing, Frisch's. Let's go there. You drive, and uh, you and I are going to have a talk first. So I wanted him to drive because I want to see if he was a good driver, right? So we go up. 
we, uh, we park, we go in, order us a couple of milkshakes. And I said, Ben, I got two things I got to talk to you about here. First is this, um, Mariah, I love her very, very dearly. She's, I love her and feel, have feelings for her way, way more than you do. And, uh, and I'm going to be around in her life a lot longer than you are. <laughs> I loved her before you, and I'm going to be around here a lot longer than you. So I need to make sure I help her and protect her. Two things I need for you. Number one, I need your assurance that when you break up, because let's be, let's be serious, this isn't going to last very long. I need, your, I need your assurance that when you break up, you're going to speak well of her. You're going to talk positively about her. You're not going to tell lies about her. Or even if things that are negative about her that are true, you're not going to talk about that. Because uh, a young girl's reputation, young woman's reputation, is, a, is an important thing. Do you promise to do that? I said, yes, I do. I said, good. Second, I need to know what your sexual intentions are with my daughter. What are you planning on doing with her sexually? He said, uh, well, um, I'm going to hold hands and uh, kiss and stuff. I said, and stuff, kiss, like, what are you talking about? You talking about like alfalfa kisses? What is that, you know? You know what alfalfa kiss is? Alfalfa, that's an alfalfa kiss. You talking about alfalfa kisses? <laughs> and uh, I believe what he said. Is, is, when you say that to a, I'm, I'm not dumb. I know, I remember what it was like to be your age. I pity all of you gun guys. I'm sorry. I know that what he says doesn't mean what his hormones are going to want to be tempting and driving him to do, but I know this. That young man needs a shot fired across the bow that there's a dad who's on point. And there's a dad who's protecting his daughter. When I did that with my, my, my youngest daughter, it was like my older kids like blowing up my phone with text. Way to go, dad. Way to step up, dad. Because they, they were excited because shows dad's still on point. Dad's still protecting. Now, the rest of the story is kind of crazy. That young man ended up dating my daughter all through high school, and now he's, he's now my son-in-law. It's a really cool thing. Great, 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 great man. But that was a sense of protection. Why is it that I want to save money? When I was younger, I never saved money. I spent everything. I saved money because I want to be able to protect my family to have resources. I want to be able to protect the waitress when she loses her job, which I've done a number of times, and cover her utility bill. I want to tithe to my church, give... 10% of my gross income to my church because I want to protect my church. Why is it that I, I try to learn things? I want to learn things because I can be a protector as I have knowledge. Men, think about this. Boys, don't think about this. Boys, just take, take, take. Men are protectors. Number three, a man works and a boy plays. A man works and a boy plays. I think it's really unfortunate, and it's a bummer for all you guys who are younger, that there just aren't the same work opportunities that there were when I was, when I was younger. Uh, everyone I knew, everyone, a lot of people had paper outs. There's no such thing as a paper out. You can't start working when you're 12 years old anymore. Um, a lot of the stuff is automated, uh, not needing not needing workers. Now, there are still plenty, plenty of jobs out at Wendy's and all that kind of stuff. There absolutely is. But it's just a bummer that you learn to work continually like when you come out of college. That's like your first job. It's just, that's just not the way it should be. And actually, we, we wire ourselves to think that the goal of having a good job is to make enough money so that I can stop working as soon as possible. My first job, 
send in some guy who was a financial planner. He sat down and said, okay, Brian, your first job. Here's what we got to start retirement savings for you. What, what age would you like to retire? And I went, uh, because I'd heard people talk about this before. And I went, and this was, how old was I? I was at this point 23. I said, uh, 55. He said, oh, you want to retire 55? Oh, okay. Uh, well, he did some math and he said, okay, here's how much you're going to save, have to save every month. I looked at that number. I was like, no, I'm not retiring 55. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Here's a crazy thing. I'm 56 right now. And I actually thought that it was a goal to stop working at 55. I can't imagine not working right now. I feel like I'm just barely figuring out life at 56. Well, if I retired, what would I do? What's the goal? I'll tell you what boys want to do. They want to stop working so they can go down to Florida and get the mosquitoes to suck the blood out of their geriatric skin while they watch Prices Right all day or golf all day. That's a vision of a boy. That's not a vision of a man. When Adam came to the earth, before any sin happened in the, earth, in the world, he worked. Him and Eve worked. That's what we do as men. We work. Now, we're not always going to be able to be in corporate America and we'll get downsized and we'll get right-sized and we'll not always have the right energy to be able to work 50 hours a week. But there's no man that is happy to just sit around and receive. We want to volunteer someplace. We want to pour our life into something. You have volunteers in here today with Fellowship of Christian Athletes. They're working. They're working. They're not, get, they're not getting any, any money for this. Or if they are getting money, let me tell you what, in terms of what they could be getting elsewhere, it is a very, very small amount. Being a high school coach, junior high coach, being an FCA staff, it's a very, 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 very small amount. And they live with that all the time because they see other people who have less drive, less abilities. They're having a lot, a lot of bank. And why do they do what they do? They do it because they're men. And they have a vision to build into your life. And they have a vision for their life. And they work at it. And they're here on a Saturday because they want to work because they're a man. And they're acting like a man. Men, you should give them some applause right now. Yes, that's you. Thank them right now. Jesus says in Matthew 5, 17, he says, my father is always working until the present time and I too am working. What's God doing right now? He's working. I don't know what he's doing, but he's working. So if God's working, then a man works. Mark number four. A man works for the team and a boy plays for the MVP. A man works for the team and a boy plays for the MVP. Boys want to be all-time quarterback Boys want to play whatever position they want to play. Whereas a man who has a son, who's a big bruising son, who might have great hand-eye coordination, and the coach says, I want him on the offensive line, a man says, okay, you put my son on the offensive line, that's fine. Whereas a boy who's a dad takes his son and he just finds another school where he can do whatever he wants him to do. Men are about team. Why is it that our marriage rate in our country is going down, 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 down? Dooby-doo, down, down. <laughs> Why is it divorces are going up, 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 up? It's because the greatest, most intense team there is, is marriage. It's a, it's a lifelong team. It's the most important team you'll ever be. And, and we as young men don't value marriage. We don't want marriage. And we don't even know how to keep a team going. I tell you what. The woman you decide to marry, will either it will, she will either double your impact in life or she'll cut your impact in life in half. It's that critical. And we don't 
set up young men to understand that marriage is the most impactful team you'll be a part of and you should pour your life off. I can't imagine not being married. Can't imagine. But yet, we're setting ourselves up to not be in team. God exists in, in team. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Jesus came and he established a team. Had the 12 disciples. One of them was a dud. Even Hey, if Jesus can have one dud on his team, Judas, then you and I should give ourselves a little grace when we make a bad choice of somebody to be on our team. Our culture is not preparing us to be on team. Why is the pornography plague so bad for us? It's the pornography plague is so bad for us, not because uh, I'm going to speak with you as adult men, okay? I don't care if it's okay or not. I'm going to do it. <laughs> the pornography plague that we have, which is, you know, the average, average male in our country is watching hours and hours and hours of pornography clips a week. The last stat I had, and this is, this is very old, uh, the average male under 18 watches 50 pornographic clips a week. 50. What is, what is so sinister and awful about it? Is it that you're quote-unquote wasting your seed? Is it that you are having sex with someone you're not married to and Jesus says that's like adultery? Mentally, those things are bad. But you know what? The real sinister thing, here's what's really, really bad about it. Masturbation, pornography and masturbation trains you to be a selfish lover. It trains you to be all about you. It trains you to look at women in a certain way and look at certain women in a certain way and behave a certain way when you're in the bedroom and expect certain things in the bedroom. And what are all those things about? They're all about you. They're all revolving around you. And so this is why a friend of mine who's a sex therapist says her largest, most growing clientele where she's making the most money is 20 to 30-year-old males because they can't perform sexually because they've had so many images of what sex looks like. They can't, they're stressed out about it. I can't, I can't achieve that. And they don't know how to actually relate and interact with another woman, a real life, actually talk with her. It's because we're being conditioned to be isolated and not be on a team. Where a man is about a team, a boy is for the MVP. Number five. Men take a minority position and boys need to be in the majority. When you're a man, you're going to always be in the minority. It's just the way it's going to be. Uh, the people I vote for in elections, they never win. You get me talking about sexuality. I, I'll, I'll never be understood and affirmed for my views on sexuality in our culture because our culture thinks something entirely different. The way I manage my money will not be the way other people manage their money. It's the right way to manage money, but it's not the way people will, will manage money. I'm in a minority position. See, see boys are like pigeons. They're like, you go downtown Cincinnati and you'll see what boys are like. They're like pigeons. They just, they're like, they all, they all flock together and they all poop on everybody and they all come in and just kind of make a bunch of noise. And they walk around, they, they stay down low and they, they're staying down low and eating everything. They don't have a, they don't have a high vision. Men are like eagles. There's very few of us. We hover above it all. We're above the fray. And we're, there's not masses of people flocking with us because these five marks are very counterintuitive and they're hard and they're difficult and they work. 
That's why every man you know that you, you respect has all five of these things, but you have to be prepared to be in the minority, to have people not appreciate the things that you say, to, 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 who aren't going to do the things that you do. Last verse I'll share with us, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. Man, let me tell you, I've never been a woman. I'm sure it's amazing to be a woman. I've never been one. I don't plan on ever being one either. I'm sure being a woman is amazing. But sometimes as men, we also have to recognize it is a blessing to be a man. Number one, you get to pee standing up. That's amazing. Number two, there's been opportunities available to men that have not been available to women, unfortunately, throughout world history. That's changing, but it's still not there. You still have more opportunities as a man as you do as, as a woman. <clears throat> not right. It's changing. It's not changing fast enough. But I think this verse, when I read this verse, I see it as a high calling to be a man. And men, be a man. It isn't a, the greatest thing you'll ever be is a man, a man who's under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Be a man. Stop being like the other boys. Grow up. Put aside your boyishness. None of us are perfect in all these five things. But set your heart on what it's like to be a man. That is an amazing adventure that will not let your life down. All right, that's all I got. Hey, thanks for listening. For all things aggressive living, why don't you head over to bryantome.com. Find my new book, Move, a guide to get up and go forward, as well as articles and much, much more. And no matter where you listen to podcasts, why don't you take a second and leave us a rating, leave us a review. It really, really helps us drive new listeners to the show. We want to help as many people as possible, just like we may have helped you. We want to help others. So why don't you help us out? And if you want to connect, find me on Instagram, at Brian Tome. Aggressive Life with Brian Tome is a production of Crossroads Church, Cincinnati, Ohio.